0: I had a fry every day or the summer, talking on building sites, you know. Now again, we didn't win, so maybe it wasn't the right thing too. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been there, uh, the food, and the pasta. <laughs>
1: OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette, get
2: into your flow with the new Gillette Labs razor with exfoliating bar.
1: We're going to turn our attention now to rugby. Last weekend, Ireland made history after sealing a series win in Wellington over the All Blacks. An epic win for Ireland. Delighted to say that I'm joined by Ronan O'Gara. How's it going, Ronan?
0: Hey, Ashley, How are you? Good
1: now. What was your reaction to the win, Ronan?
0: Um, Yeah, it was fantastic, obviously. It was um, very well constructed, I thought. Um, I was chatting actually to... um, Adrian bumped into him on holidays. Adrian was enjoying the delight to be the Ray. So we watched the All Ireland together and um, uh, discussed a bit of the game. Um, at 21 3, it looked like it was going to get extremely nasty for, for the All Blacks, but in fairness, they, um, I suppose, came back with a better plan after half time, and that's what they do. They kind of score out of nothing and they're Their two tries were probably a little bit of individual brilliance. Um, But Ireland refocused and then uh, I think you have to really mention when Andrew Porter got the yellow card, how I suppose Ty Burns took over. Yes, it was a team performance. um, But um, he really, really came up with big players. Big players come up with big moments and that's a perfect example of it. he, he changed the momentum of the game again back in Ireland's favour. Uh, and, and that's difficult to do away from home, uh, especially against a team that's fighting for their lives. But uh, then Ireland controlled the last 10 minutes and they controlled the ball. And it's probably, from their point of view, I think they would have liked to have got a final score to really drive the nail in the coffin. But um, you know, to win the series and win by 10 points and do it so comfortably uh, will give that group huge confidence.
1: Yeah, it was incredible. And watching on at something like that to see Ireland win a test series in that way. What does it mean to you? Was it emotional watching it or or what sort of emotions did you have?
0: Um, no, I didn't know I wasn't emotional, I suppose, because it didn't feel like a tight game. Mm. I thought Ireland were very much in control and it was a good example of how much their attack has improved. And probably how their team is completely aligned between their forwards and backs and everyone understanding their role, the the tries they scored with the ball were just uh, so interesting to watch because they picked apart uh, a good team. You can't say that, that that's at the minute the New Zealand team is a great team, but uh, you know, I think was it um the Robbie Henshaw's try just before half time is just the joy you'd get from being in that Irish, I suppose, camp when that comes off um is hugely exciting. But that's that could be a good big starting point for Ireland in in their when they play like that. They're a very, very difficult team to um stop and it. it probably reinforces all also that uh, yes, they won the series which is huge uh over the summer, but uh I suppose the record of this group of players and staff very very good and they've been consistently good and you recall the game instead of France they had France under the pump and pushing them really hard to win the win the game at, at the end of the game and that's the only game they've um, they, they, they've they lost if I'm correct
1: Yeah and where would a lot of people were talking about where this moment ranks in Irish sport I suppose for, for Irish rugby achievements where would you say this moment would rank
0: Yeah it's, it's I suppose the fact that blows all the other arguments out of the water is that there's uh, two other teams that are five in total that have won a a series in New Zealand soil over hundreds of years. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so there was South Africa in 1937, the Lions in 1971, Australia in 86, and then France in 94.
0: Yeah, so since, you know what I mean, I suppose professional rugby, there hasn't been a team to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know what I mean, and that that group of players from Ireland that went over this summer, they'll always have that memory. They're the first. They've done it. Um, and it's great, too, because it puts everything into perspective a little bit. Everyone is chasing a World Cup, but there's building blocks to be performing in a World Cup, and that's the biggest building block. That's the biggest thing when you hit the rocks. And the team will have, have rocky periods because it's another 15 months to the World Cup, and but they look back and go, okay, well, what stood to us when we were under the pump after losing the first test in New Zealand, when everyone, and it sums up sport as well, everyone was kind of ridiculing them three weeks ago and the fact that, oh, it's going to be a long, desperate, hard tour and, you uh, know, this team is old and it's stale. And then two weeks later, oh, wow, look at the way these guys play. So, it's a nice little bit of reminder for the hurdles on the ditch as well, that uh, sport changes very quickly, you both judge a team over, a consistent period of time, and I think that's
2: why Ireland under Andy and under this group of players, have been very, very good. Ronan, did you and Adrian share a cheese board last weekend?
1: (laughs) Adrian would love that. (laughs)
0: Um, No, he was he was a bit off the pace now, I didn't think he, he doesn't <laughs> like the a uh, glass of beer in the afternoon so that's something he needs to improve on um, but um, no, he was doing the family man, he was kind of watching kids, watching the game but uh, what a game of Ireland too, you know it was, it was hard to keep our eye on, on the kids for that period of time but um, uh, we didn't share a cheese board, no, oh, you know I'm more basics you know a little bit of there wasn't even i don't think i offered it, it maybe a glass of rosie but i don't even think i
2: offered him that <laughs> uh very good um we must get adrian's perspective on that as well over the next few weeks uh ronald can i just ask there about the um the building blocks point that you made there do, do you feel now i know granted, we don't have the benefit of hindsight here do you feel now that the win last week is, is a more significant building block for a team in a World Cup cycle than, say, a Grand Slam would have been in, in 2018 into 19?
0: I think so. I, I would definitely think so, um, because it's it's a different uh, challenge and the fact that we're very similar with Grand Slams and the the, uh, the programme and the preparation involved in peaking for a Grand Slam. What, what another team has done is they've uh, peaked at the end of a season when there are all the potential excuses are available to go to New Zealand. and uh, I mean, winning one test is, is juicy enough, but to win the series is as powerful a statement as you possibly make. So for that group, especially losing the first one and losing it by 23 points, is there were only, I suppose, uh, little crumbles of comfort to be taken over. But I think watching it... You could see if Ireland were a little bit more accurate and a little bit more aggressive in in certain areas of the game that that could come together. And then, um, as you know, sometimes when you put the, we suppose, the bigger rugby nation under pressure at home, um, that can cause mental problems for for that team. And that's what Ireland did in Test 2. And then in Test 3, what they did brilliantly is obviously they had such a big lead because... It, when it becomes a one-score game, the momentum that the the ABs can get playing at home was huge. But the fact that they probably had a, a power play, a big moment, a purple patch, a big moment, that gave them the two tries. But Ireland were still ahead again and there was five points. So the three points became another two scores. You're, you're always in a great position mentally to have that two-score cushion. And I think... Um, uh, Ireland did that well, but the fact that it's you know I mean, completely out of the comfort zone with an 11-hour, 11 11-hour, 11 12-hour time difference back home, your kind of world turned upside down. Playing five games, some boys having to tag out on the Tuesday or the Wednesday night and do the bench, and it just shows. I suppose where there's a will, there's a way, and everyone is into this kind of. I suppose. Um, Textbook preparation for a test week, but you look with two Maori games thrown in, and on, uh, week one and week, two, week three. Uh, when you have a plan, when you believe in the plan, the plan can work, and Ireland showed that uh, brilliantly, um, especially after, I suppose, um, uh, a hugely um, difficult start to the tour.
1: And Andy Farrell definitely had a plan to, to go out and win the series. I suppose it was a lot of talk at the, the start of it. Were we going to see other players getting a chance, you know, to move things around in the squad, to build, to look ahead to to the World Cup? And I suppose he didn't do that exactly. He probably had it in his mind. He wanted to go out and, and win this series. Were you impressed with the job he's done and he is currently doing so far?
0: Yeah, it doesn't surprise me one bit, I think. Going back 20 years, the guy was an absolute um, phenomenal player and leader for Wigan, you know, I would have been a big fan of rugby league growing up and I would have watched uh, his team and the team before he came into that team and there's some very, very special players on both coasts that have come out of that environment and I think his his roots and his DNA are very, very uh, strong and he brings that with him in his coaching. He's very humble, he's very down to earth and he's very... Capable of putting his hand up if he feels he hasn't got it, gotten it right, and he's got it right more often, far more often than anyone else. Uh, but I think he's very approachable, and that's what the players I think admire him. And uh, he doesn't mind probably thinking outside the box and doing things differently, and having a go and playing with a smile on your face and having a look and backing his players. And uh, you know, I think the good thing is. He is developing his team, most definitely, but to develop his team, he, I think he's created an environment where players aren't just going to get thrown a jersey. You have to go out to improve yourself and train, and the best players want to play with the best players. So, this is an ultra ruthless environment as well, top-level sport, but what he's doing now is getting results where very few people have got them. And I think building for the World Cup can start again because we're still a summer before a World Cup. This another 15 months. The energy and the momentum could be completely different than another 12-month cycle. So um, there are obviously a few positions where the deck uh, is uh, a little bit weaker, but that's what happens when you've world-class position or players in that position, and that will always be the case in that, in in, that, in the top teams around the world. So what needs to be is that you need your 23 to be incredibly good for, to be your 20 for your 23 to be incredibly good um your numbers you know 23 to 40 or 23 to 32 have to be uh so competitive
1: yeah it does seem that he's getting the best out of these players and johnny sexton someone that we didn't think we would see um in all three of the the games is he in the form of his life at the minute ronan
0: yeah i think so i think you know i think johnny feeds off. Um, People writing him off, you know, and I think he's shown that. But he needs to seek his own motivation going forward as well, because he's playing the game brilliantly at the minute. He's reading it, I think, a lot quicker than uh, even four or five years ago. Um, and it's not easy to, you know, do that. And you know, I mean, he he backed up uh, the the first test, the second test, and third test at 37 years of age doing that. He, is a a huge feat. Uh, And mentally, uh, to be able to do that uh, speaks volumes for where his, I suppose, uh, mentality is at the minute. Uh, But you can see that he's very happy with the environment, very happy with the coaching group. Everything seems to be aligned. And I think that's when you see the number 10 in their best vein is, is... when the I suppose the camp is buzzing, your ten looks better than he actually is, and then when it's the opposite, he looks worse than he actually is. Uh, but there's no doubt about Johnny's individual game is very, very strong at the minute. But uh, I think uh, what also um, would be important for me to say is that the coaching group has to has the the environment and the team humming. Be it Andy Farr, I think, you know what I mean? Obviously, I'm biased, but Paul O'Connell's work is stamped all over this team. This guy is um, an incredibly interesting uh, person, never mind coach, player. Uh, always, I suppose, seeking a little entry into a subject matter that may not be evident to other people and would always explore to the, to the nth degree. And if he can find some joy in that matter, he'll... Uh, He'll develop it, he'll analyse it and then he'll potentially use it. So a fascinating, deep thinker on the game and um, you could see, I suppose, his habits and his methods uh, all over the forward play the last day. You look at it like you need a set piece, you need a driving mall and uh, you need a good kind of uh, rock game and Ireland were exemplary in, in both departments.
1: Yeah, I think it's crucial to have people like Paul around the setup. And when we speak about the ten position, where is the pecking order now for you? Uh, we've seen Kieran Frawley come in, um, obviously Joey Carberry as well. For you, where do you see that pecking order?
0: I think it's um, the pecking order remains the same. You have Johnny Sexton, and Joey Carberry, and then I think you have uh, a decision of probably where is uh all Faralli going to play because if he wants to challenge to play international rugby at 10 he has to be playing club it's mm. it's too difficult at the top level to be a hybrid and the fact that if he's playing more club rugby at, at 12 for Leinster and hoping to start test games for Ireland at 10 and I would say that would be uh, a bit of a long shot Uh so he'll also be I suppose um From what I kind of uh, see from the outset, I think he'd always put his team first, but sometimes he needs to uh, have a word with his coach and say, well, if he wants to play 10, then he wants to be considered to play 10, but Leicester are extremely competitive in that position. So it's it's a difficult conundrum for for him or for, for others to sort.
2: Can I ask you about the All Blacks head coach situation then? There's obviously been uh, a whole pile written about it over the last week. And in fairness, the All Blacks have kind of thrown a bit of petrol on it as well, saying that they're going to announce a review and they are going to do a review. The sense seems to be that Ian Foster has a couple of games against South Africa at the start of the Rugby Championship to to potentially save his job. I I know that that's not necessarily the All Blacks way. But is is your read on it that, that he is in a bit of trouble if those South Africa games don't go his way?
0: Um, yeah, potentially with the results, but I suppose there's one thing that, um, in, in, in this position, um, he's, he's under, under pressure from what has happened in this series. I understand what he's going through. I'm a head coach and uh, I'm not going to speculate or give my opinion on whether he should be, uh, kept in the, in the, in the job or not. I just think that it's, um, A difficult, a difficult question, and um, he's in a difficult period. But as he said in his press conference, he is resilient. He is a deep strategist, and um, you know that's the the ruthless side of the game, and the fact that um, when results don't go your way, be it me, be it him. Sometimes people make decisions to take out of that position, but I don't have a have a strong opinion on that. I
2: guess just to kind of stick with that, uh, like I mean the the idea that it all falls in the head coach probably is is not necessarily something that you could overly say either. Like, I mean, the, you, you could make a, a case one way or the other. There's obviously been talk around uh, who might potentially come in. Like, as a head coach in that situation, what is that pressure like? I know just not even from your own perspective as a head coach, but even just being in New Zealand, you will have seen the relationship between that team and the public. Is it a case that every single result that doesn't go their way is almost like a doomsday scenario? Uh, or is that just putting too fine a point on us?
0: Yeah, no, I, I, it, it's very different in there. They absolutely, uh, uh, the, you know, the mood of the nation is determined by how the All Blacks play, and that and, and that still applies. Obviously, there's probably uh, a few other distractions in, in, in New Zealand, but I would not underestimate uh, um the role that uh, the All Blacks have have on the on the mood of the nation, and uh, yeah, there's a massive focus on on, on that uh, position. But also, um, that's that's what happens when you when you go into sport and interrupt you into management. You like you are the head coach. the assistants are completely different, and the pressure on the head coach is completely different. And that's a an unwritten rule, and that that will never change. And we're aware of. What happens, and what happens if results don't go your way? But you have to, you have to accept that, and accept that it's not a personal attack on you. This is the business, and this is what happens if you're underperforming. And you know, there's a moral contract written up um, before you sign any physical contract. That um, you know what I mean, if the boss isn't happy, or if the supporters aren't happy, uh, usually it coincides with someone getting fired, and that's that's the cotton trust of. Of what managers do, what we do,
1: and two teams that are going to hopefully perform this weekend to the best of their ability is Kerry and Galway. Will you be watching on at the All Ireland final, Ronan?
0: Oh, will I watch? I'll be glued to it.
1: <laughs> Give us a prediction.
0: Oh, I'm hoping. <laughs> you um, um, I know no one is listening, but um, um. Oh,
1: <laughs> it's not easy.
0: <laughs> no, it isn't easy, but it's not easier. Uh, I'll tell you next week.
1: What you'll tell me the prediction next week?
0: <laughs> no, I'll tell you next week why I'm uh, why I'm sitting on the fence. I've uh, okay. I have an interest. I have okay. An interest in, uh, in um, i a big big fan of Parik Joyce. so I uh, I chat to Parik so um.
1: Yeah, he's phenomenal.
0: I'm um,
2: I'm west of Ireland this weekend. Was 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 Sean Eche wasted uh, to football? He could have been a great number ten for Munster. You suspect? <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine seeing that in Tallaght Park. Because hmm. he'd have, have twenty eight
0: thousand people there. How many does he in Fitzgerald Stadium? You get what 15,000
2: on D. I I know if if Parker could run, and you could get 40. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really joking what a kick what a kick
1: oh it was amazing yeah I seen you tweeting after it uh, it was incredible 55 metres out a bit of a tricky wind yeah just, just amazing stuff
0: well it's the same too though, uh, for there was a little bit of um, dismay about uh, what game went to penalties
1: uh, Irma Gowey
0: Oh my God, that was it. But like, it's not a lottery. People have to understand it. It's a little bit like Sean having the mental capacity at 80 minutes to be able to kick his same kick, be it the first minute or second minute, or the 82nd minute. It's This is what you prep for. This is These are the golden moments. And the, the, the penalty shootout isn't lottery. It's a lottery. It's a big skill. Yes, you have a goalkeeper, but usually if you commit to the kick and you put it where you want to, you, the green flag is raised, depending on Hawkeye. But um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's uh, it's been a really exciting um, football championship. I, I've been glued to it every weekend, and um, yeah, well, maybe I might be for the summer. We might have a new uh, football correspondent.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> is that you running yes exactly <laughs> sorry i shouldn't sound surprised
0: <laughs> i have a medal thing. oh yeah yeah
1: oh jesus
0: bishopstone
1: very good very good where did you play running
0: oh corner forward same as me um, <laughs> you're
1: corner forward yeah yeah number 13
0: <laughs> yeah i love it yeah um yeah, I, I modelled myself a little bit on Mike Frank Russell. Do
1: you know who I love? Porek Joyce. Loved his oh, dummies.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. He used to replicate that. Well, he used to try anyway.
0: <laughs> well, he was a left footer, yeah?
1: Yeah, I'm left foot. Oh. There you go now.
0: Why <laughs> Mike Frank? Mike Frank, yeah. Loved him. What, what, what about, him? about him? Just... Made it. Made Gaelic football look so easy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, chance. Ronan. Well, I, I, we. I'd rather not wrap this conversation, but I have to. Thanks so much. Yes, yes. <laughs> Great chat right. to you.
0: <laughs> have a good weekend. See you guys. Bye bye.
1: OTB
2: AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.